With the Omicron variant now dominant, vaccine mandates cannot possibly stop a viral transmission. Therefore, they amount to a personal health mandate akin to a requirement to eat broccoli, exercise, or any number of personal health measures that the court has previously rejected as beyond the scope of leg legitimate federal power. Hi, and welcome to And If Love Remains. I'm your host, Mike Levitt. This is the first episode of 2022, and I'm very excited about this episode. This is gonna be great stuff. This year is gonna be amazing. Got some good stuff on tap. We're gonna be doing, um, again, uh, Dr. Elias Pedersen will be in studio. Well, yeah, he'll be in studio at some point, but we're gonna do, we've got some interviews lined up with him already and other people. Uh, Mark Ainley, who's a good friend of the show, will be on. Um, we have some great stuff lined up uh, and some new concepts, some new shows, I guess, episode styles. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to be mixing it up a little bit. It's going to be super, super fun. Um, looking forward to, you know, talking about the things that we talk about. Um, and uh, and I think also we're, you know, maybe a little bit more often, too. We'll see how that works out. But it's uh, yeah, I'm very excited about And If Love Remains in 2022. And this is our first episode. Um, and and. I'm, I think I'm going to title this something like the best news of 2022 and it's already happened or something because, man, we got some great, great news that has come down the pipe. And from a very interesting and unlikely source, um, we happen. Um, so uh, we've been dealing with this uh, um, or this uh, COVID-19 thing for the last two plus years. It's now, you know, January or whatever. 2022 and uh um uh but um one of the things that's happened and i'm, and I'm not going to get to the details of the case itself um but it's important just in from the standpoint of this is how we got the information um the, recently the supreme court of the united states just heard arguments from the biden administration and um and those opposing the specifically the osha uh, mandates that are that are being proposed, um, uh, essentially that uh, workers need to be vaccinated, um, and that there's very I believe there's very little um, options for for um, any kind of religious exemption or, or medical exemption. I don't know all the rules, but I do know that that's that's what's being debated right now is whether OSHA has the authority to uh, regulate whether somebody can put something in their body or not. Um, so uh, we, but, and again, that, that, that's for another podcast. I'm sure I'd love to, to talk to somebody who has more information than me about that on this show. Um, but what I want to talk about is an amicus brief um, that was filed with the lawsuit. Um, for people who don't know, an amicus brief is basically a third party um, that is not, they aren't a, a direct party to the, uh, uh, to the lawsuit or, or to, the, um, to the pending um, case, but they have something they want to say about it. And they, want, they have an opinion, they have maybe a certain expertise, um, 
you know, and this can happen in any, any lawsuit. You can file an amicus brief. Um, and so um, and there are lots of amicus briefs that were filed for and against, I'm sure, with this particular lawsuit. I think most Supreme Court lawsuits will have that. But this one was related um, and sent over to Tom Woods at the Tom Woods Show. And I'd really recommend people to check out Tom. He's got an amazing podcast. He just had his 2000th episode. Um, and so he's he's a he's a old man in the biz and he's he's really, really good. He's very smart. And uh, but he talked about this amicus brief and I wanted to bring it to the attention of my audience because I think it is. But I want to take a little take, different take on it. Um, and my take is that this is unbelievable news and we would not have this news if it wasn't for this lawsuit. And that's why these lawsuits need to happen. Uh, not just because what might or might not be ruled by, you know, nine justices, which is insane that nine justices is going to decide <laughs> whether or not, you know, a body has anyway, but that that's a whole, again, a whole other episode. But, uh, the information that we get because of people who have interest in this uh, case, now we, we get to see a lot of this stuff. And so this amicus brief was brought forth by the American Commitment Foundation, um, which is a 501c3. But it's basically the work it looks like um, of Jay Bhattacharya and oh, there, what, what is the other guy's name? Andrew, uh, Dr. Andrew Boston. So um, these guys are real scientists. And I love listening to people who actually talk about the science. And I, a lot of it goes over my head. Um, but it, but I think I get the gist of what they're talking about. So let's talk a little bit about who these people are. Jay Bhattacharya is a professor of health policy at Stanford University School of Medicine. He is a research associate at the National Bureau of Economic Research um, and the director of Stanford Center for Demography and Economics of Health and Aging. He holds an MD and PhD from Stanford University. He has published 155 scholarly articles in peer-reviewed journals in the fields of medicine, economics, health policy, epidemiology, statistics, law, and public health, among others. His research has been cited in the peer-reviewed scientific literature more than 12,500 times, um, and he is known as an expert in on COVID-19 and its effects. Uh, Andrew Bostom is currently affiliated with Brown University Center for Primary Care and Prevention and has an associate professor uh, and was an associate professor of medicine and family medicine at the Warren Alpert Medical School of Brown University from 97 until uh, 2021. He's a clinical trialist uh, and epidemiologist. Dr. Boston designed and completed the largest randomized controlled trial ever conducted in chronic kidney transplant recipients. He has over 114 scholarly peer-reviewed publications and it's focused on epidemiology and clinical trials. So these guys know what they're talking about. They know how to read studies. Um, and but here's the thing: the work that the the things that they're doing is they're they're citing other studies, many other studies from other countries all over the place. And again, I want I want to preface this by saying this is great, great, great news. No matter what the Supreme Court says, this is amazing news because. And I'm going to just give the punchline right here, and then we're going to go through some of the, some of the evidence. It seems the Omicron vi uh, virus 
is far less deadly, far um, fewer hospitalizations. And it appears that we can make the case. Um, I don't think they use this word in this particular brief, um, but I think we can make the case that that um, that this uh, uh, COVID-19 virus has officially or will officially soon go endemic, which means it's everywhere. It's like a cold. It's like a, a flu. It, and I'm not saying it's not dangerous. I'm not saying we just stay away. From, we shouldn't, you know, I'm not saying we should try to get it. But what I'm saying is that it's gotten to uh, it's an, an, an ev the evolution of this virus has gotten to a point where everybody has had it. Um, everybody will get it. It's we're going to have herd immunity, whether it's through a vaccine or more than likely you're actually going to receive it because right now the the vaccines are ineffective against Omicron. And so getting a vaccine isn't going to help you against Omicron. And yet, according to this, we'll get into it. It's over 90 percent of the new cases. So anyway, but it's far less deadly. There there are far fewer hospitalizations. This is really, really good, good great news and my takeaway again my takeaway is it is time to stop living in fear it's absolutely time it's time to to start living our lives the way we should and i'm just so excited about this so here we go i'm gonna just read a little bit of this so um here's the from the introduction and summary argument um they make the case Substan uh, here's a quote substantial new factual developments related to the omicron variant arises arising after the filing briefing and arguing of the original cases subsequently uh substan excuse me substantially undermine the government's justification for the ets standard in other words the osha you know blah 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 blah, blah um that they can come and tell you what to do the Omicron variant is or will shortly, shortly be the dominant viral strain in the United States, accounting for nearly all new SARS-CoV-2 infections. This significant change in circumstances negates the uh, factual basis for the OSHA order in two ways. One, it dramatically reduces the risks, the risk of severe illness um, or death, and two, it renders the existing vaccines ineffective at reducing transmissions, thereby negating any possible societal benefit from mandating their use. The court should completely disregard any fact evidence developed prior to the rise of Omicron, including the original vaccine trials, which makes sense. Like we're talking, they're, they're making arguments about something that is hardly relevant with this strain and we'll go into why exactly okay and again i'm not you can be for or against the mandate i'm against it i mean I, I think most people who know me or have heard the heard me on this podcast know that i'm against a mandate but um to me that's not the point the point is that that we're getting past this altogether. this is wonderful okay um so and, the, and one more quote, with the Omicron variant now dominant, vaccine mandates cannot possibly stop viral transmission. Therefore, 
they amount to a personal health mandate akin to a requirement to eat broccoli, exercise, or any number of personal health measures that the court has previously rejected as beyond the scope of leg legitimate federal power. Okay, so we're at a point where uh, getting a vaccine might, might or might not, but it, it's the equivalent of saying, hey, go exercise. All right. And so does a court have a, um, does it have the right to go and force people to exercise? That's the equivalent. Okay. So here's the argument. Number one, Omicron is now the dominant variant. The Omicron Variant now accounts for the majority of new SARS-CoV-2 uh, infections. In fact, here's a quote. Uh, it represents 95.4 of new cases for the week ending January 1st and is still rising. This is according to NowCast, which is the CDC's official uh, variant uh, projection. And it it uh, so the CDC itself is saying 95.4% of all new cases are this new Omicron variant. Okay, and so this, and here's what's great about being in the United States. There are other countries that have already gone through this Omicron variant and are kind of ahead of us, ahead of schedule. And so we kind of, kind of, we can see what they, what's happened there. So, for example, in South Africa, the Omicron variant was discovered in uh, Guteng province in November twenty, uh, on November twenty second, twenty twenty, and it rose to ninety one percent dominance at, in one month, December twenty first of twenty. I'm sorry, in one year, twenty twenty one. Given the Omicron, uh, actually, it's not clear. It just says by December 21st. So it doesn't say whether it's 2021 or 2020. Um, I'm sure there's a note here. And yeah, it goes to a website. So we can look at that. But my point is it's now 91% dominant. Okay. Given the Omicron trajectory in the United States and the unprecedented steep rise in case naturally driven, it is likely that by the time the court decides whether to grant a stay, Omicron will be this, will be the, the variant that we're all dealing with. Okay. Argument two. So argument one is that Omicron is the one we need to be dealing with, not these other, not Delta, not Alpha, not Omega, <laughs> not any of the other ones. Okay. It's Omicron that we have to worry about right now. Number, so argument two, Omicron does not present a grave danger. This is wonderful. According to South Africa, the South African government's National Institute for Communicable Diseases, um, there's some optimism that, that we, have, we can be reasonable about. Uh, cases to be likely to be hospitalized are 80% less than Delta. That's 80% less when compared to Delta. In Scotland, which is also ahead of the curve, ahead of our curve, um, it's a two-thirds reduction from hospitalizations than Delta. Uh, uh, Denmark's data shows Omicron cases were three times less likely to end up with hospital admissions than previous dominant than the previous dominant. So, in all these cases, it, it's far less deadly, far less serious. I'm not saying it's not serious. I'm not saying people won't go to the hospital, but but um, they make the point down the line that 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 what it does mean is that there's no curve to flatten. There's there's room. There's capacity for the really serious uh, cases that we need that we will have to deal with. And and Fauci even admits this. He he says in the United States we are getting. Uh, 
accumulation of data. The spike in cases is out of proportion to the increase in hospitalization. Again, this is Fauci. So if one day, so excuse me, so if one, if one looks at a 14 day averages, the data as of last night indicate a plus 126% increase in cases. Okay, so cases have gone up 126%, but only an 11% increase in hospitalizations. That's a tenfold difference. That is not insignificant. That's huge. Um, now we must remember that hospitalization, and this is Fauci again, we must remember that hospitalizations and deaths are lagging indicators. So a lot of these could still be Delta. However, the pattern and disparity between cases and hospitalizations strongly suggests, oh, it, and I guess he's also saying that there could be more. Like it could, it, it, you know, it could jump up because it's a lagging indicator. Fair enough. Um, but he says the pattern and disparity between cases and hospitalizations strongly suggests that there will be lower hospitalizations to case ratio when the situation becomes more clear. There was a Hong Kong uh, at Hong Kong University, researchers pointed to the likely reasons. So here's why. Again, I love science. Woohoo! Because it tell there's so much to to learn. So um, they studied this, and what they discovered is that the Omicron variant uh, replicates far more efficiently in the in the bronchus and upper respiratory system than the Delta. So Delta's got to get deeper in, which is going to cause more problems than. Um, then Omicron, which is, um, which is going to, again, cause for um, a lot less severe sickness, illness. Um, so, but then they say, but the most compelling evidence of Omicron ending any grave danger of SARS-CoV-2 comes from South Africa, particularly the Guteng province, which is a, has a population of 18 million, where the first recognized Omicron wave occurred. So this is our first case. We can look at this and see what our future looks like. According to Dr. Harry uh, Moultrie of the South African government's National Institute for, uh, for Communicable Diseases, Guteng cases peaked on December 9th at 97% of the Delta wave. Okay, so the, so it got up to 90%, 97% of what Delta got to. But even more reassuringly, deaths were only 13% of the Delta peak. So while the peak on cases were just as high as Delta, 13% uh, the 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 amount of of deaths were thirteen were only thirteen percent of that of Delta. That is amazing. That is insane. So, um, and I love this. This is this is what they say. They they conclude. They make a um. They conclude this. They say, where is that? Uh, all indicators suggest the country may have passed the peak of the fourth wave at a national level. While Omicron variant is highly transmissible, which it is, there has been lower rates of hospitalization than in previous waves. This means that the country has a, has a spare capacity for admission of patients, even for routine health services. All right, and then it, then he, then the the brief goes on and talks about things in 
compares it to Delta in other ways. They talk about the differences in deaths, which we've already kind of talked about, but uh, they're they're more they're much more talking about um, in the U.S. Again, I'm going to put this in the show notes. I'm also going to put a link to Tom Woods. I'm going to put a uh, you know put these links here for you to check out because there are a lot of great. It's a lot of great information, and it's not just two hacks. Just talking like me, just talking about this thing. Like they know what they're doing. It's very well cited. You can go and look up the data yourself. Here's here is their uh, argument number three. Argument number three is vaccines are ineffective at preventing Omicron infections and so it goes into like look if you and and again i'm going to paraphrase but you can read this pfizer moderna uh, moderna um all of the big vaccine makers uh even fauci himself says that we don't have a vaccine for this variant yet so if you've been vaccinated you're still gonna get it it's still transferable will they probably have a booster that takes care of that probably but that's, you know, but the likelihood that we're going to get it before the booster comes out is actually pretty high. Um, um, okay, so finish up. Um, they, you know, they have cases from Germany they talk about. Okay, where is, I wanted to. So let me just, I'm, I just want to read this conclusion. Okay, because again, and remember, this this is a brief um, in favor or or um, trying to stop OSHA from the any kind of vaccine mandate. All right, for workers, so that's that's where this is all written. Um, but what I want you to do is listen to the good news that's contained within. So here's their conclusion: the situation is that this is a quote. The situation is that they say is as they say highly fluid. Substantial new factual developments related to the Omicron variant, which arose subsequent to the filing, briefing, and arguing of the original cases, substantially undermine any possible justification for the government's ETS. Even if SARS-CoV-2 did present a grave danger justifying the ETS at the time it was published, a highly controversial assertion in its own right, true, at this time, the Omicron virus that presently dominates the field does not even arguably present a grave danger. You can't even make the argument that it presents a grave danger, nor could its transmission be subsequently reduced through mandatory vaccination, even if it did present a grave danger. Therefore, the OSHA order should be stayed and the court should grant something. (laughs) Setio Rari, I don't know, Certio Rari before judgment. Anyway, I don't know what that is. Probably some legal term. All right. So I'm going to, again, this is wonderful news. It is time for us not to live in fear. It is time for us to uh, live our lives, do the things that we love to do. Um, You know, get outside, work, you know, ignore the, 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 uh, you know, the mandates that are telling you to stay inside and ignore the, the, I mean, just it's time it's done. We can, we can live our lives and I'm excited to share this information with you. Um, again, I hope you read it for yourself. Check it out. Don't trust me. I mean, you can trust me, but if you want to know for sure, read it yourself and check out the, the, the studies and everything in it. Um, 
again, I'm excited for 2022, not just for J And If Love Remains, but for, uh, I think this is going to be a great year uh, if we make that happen. So to everybody out there, this is Mike Levitt, and you've been listening to And If Love Remains.